So uh, anyways, uh, this is, uh, we're, we're doing a series right now called Habits, and uh, last week we talked about some of those habits, about how our life is really made up of a lot of habits, some good, some bad. People don't wake up one day and realize they have bad cholesterol. It started over a whole bunch of habits of one day, little things at a time, and the problem is the reason why we have habits is because most of us don't think that, that these things that can and are hurting us really are significant. But uh, when I think of a heart attack, I think of stuff just like this, these little things that happen that can be so significant. But it's also the same way with good habits. Uh, it's, it's learning how to do things the right way, the correct way, the correct way, the correct way. Yesterday, we signed my son up for baseball, and we went there, and Southeastern University was there uh, teaching the kids how to swing and, and some of these. And uh, they had the best hitter on the team in the batting cages, and uh, they got some time with my son. And, and Micah can actually hit the ball pretty well for an eight-year-old. I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty good. And, uh, but he was saying, Hey, look, man, if you want to get more, more power out of your swing, you've got the connection down right now. All we've got to do is make some little adjustments in there and we can really uh, make that better. And it's these little small things. And so what he would say, he said is, I'd like to see you swing the bat 50 times a day, 50 times. I want you to do this little thing and do it consistently. And he was really just talking about moving his back foot to accelerate strength into, into his swing. And it's really what, what pros do is they have these coaches that are in their life that remind them that it's these little adjustments in their life that can have huge results. And uh, in our life, there are things that we do every day that can have huge results. It's the little things in your life that you have to really try to, try to pay attention to because they make a difference. And, uh, and it's, it's the little things like, like television or I don't know what it is that's in your life, but th- they say it's... it's um, Decisions that we make today will decide our tomorrow. And, uh, and I, I know that there's a lot of us that want to do great things in our life, and we have these big goals. And as I, I met with a friend this week, they were talking about the anxiety that they're having in their life, these, these struggles that they're having, and they're just getting these panic attacks. And they're thinking about how they want to get to this place in their life, and it just seems so impossible. And, and so we just talked for a little bit about the process of how to get from here to there. And instead of five years from now, what would it look like? What, would it, what is it supposed to look like in three years if five years is your destination? And then what should it look like in one year? And then really, what's the process from now to one year that you should be doing today? Because five years from now won't happen. And it'll be crazy, but all you can do is control where you are right now. And it's these small disciplines that make up these big results in our life. And I don't know about you, but I know that there are dreams in here. I know that there are things that you want to do in your life. And it's learning to do little things consistently, little things consistently. If you want to improve a relationship, it's little things that we do consistently that make up these results. It's not the spontaneous or the things that we do once a week or once a month. It's the the habits that really decide the big results in our life. What matters most to you? Is it your life? Okay, if it's your life, then are you protecting what you're eating? Or, uh, you know, these kinds of things. If it's people in your life, what are the habits in your life that lead you to these people? And if it's your faith, what are the habits in your life that lead you and drive you to the Lord? And so we're talking about habits here today, and we talked about habits last week. And last week, we, we talked about fasting, and we talked about the Word. And um, I'm hoping that this week, some of you dove into the Word a little bit more than you have before. And when I think about um, reading the Word, if some of you guys are setting a goal of saying, hey, look, I want to know the Lord, please make sure you know 
that you will not know who Christ is outside of God's word. That is how he defines himself. It's his love, love letter to you about what he wants to do in your life, how he wants you to get there, who he is, and what he wants you to understand. Everything else outside of God's word is religion. And what we'll do here today is religion. It's man's religion, really. But your relationship with your God it will happen through the letter that he penned to you that we call the Holy Bible. And I'd encourage you to get into that. And so we talked about last week the discipline of fasting to help cultivate uh, reading the word and getting God's word in you. And that's going to bring us to this week. And so this week, I, I, I know that many of you, as you start the new year, some of you are thinking about disciplines and habits in your life. And, and what I want you to know is that I want you to know that God isn't just saying, I want you to draw near to me. There's a lot of other things that God is speaking to you in your life that are meaningful. I believe with all my heart that uh, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, 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 Gentleness and self-control. Thank you. I forgot. I, the one I wanted to get to was uh, self-control. Uh, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And the problem is, in order to have self-control, you have to have discipline. And there are things that in your heart and in your mind and in your soul, you, your, your spirit is saying, I want to do this more. And in order to have that, there is a, something that happens inside of you that feels good when you're able to do what it is your heart says you want to do. Like flossing. You know, and when you're like, hey, look, I want to floss more. If that's a goal in your life, I, I know it sounds silly, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is partnering with you in that. And there's a confidence that grows inside of you when you do what you have not done consistently. Does that make sense? And so I do believe with all my heart that if you can get on the diet that the Lord is telling you about right now, it will build your confidence in him. But many people walk in a spiritual insecurity because we don't know how to fulfill that which God is saying to us. And I believe it starts small. I don't care what the discipline is that God is talking to you, but disciplines are a fruit of the spirit. And when we don't have disciplines in our life, I believe that there are insecurities where we feel massively uncomfortable with who we are and who we are in him. God is leading you, and I'm encouraging you to develop disciplines in your life that lead you to anywhere where God wants to take you. I was listening to a podcast this weekend, and he was saying, hey, look, the discipline of getting up the first time the alarm clock goes off, it's a discipline. You know, get that under your belt. I, I don't care what it is. If, if it's flossing or reading God's word or praying or writing a letter to one person that matters to you every day, but figure out ways, send a text message to be disciplined with the things that God's put in your heart. Set a goal and accomplish that goal. And when you do, it builds your confidence. I hate insecurities because they lie and they rob you, but they really do tell you that you're not good enough or that you can't and that you're not capable, and it's all hogwash. You can do anything you set yourself out to if you set a process in place. And I, I'm realizing more and more in my life that processes um, really help create uh, success. And so um, habits are, are, are what we said last week is that successful people um, do every day what unsuccessful people will do occasionally. And, um, and I, I, I realize that that's um, something that we want to get under our belt. So today, one of the things that I'm talking about today is prayer. And I think that prayer is something that uh, many of us desire with all of our hearts. Like, I wish I can, I can be better at prayer. I wish I could be better at prayer. Well, um, 
it, it, it can be difficult. And so with that being in mind, we have four values in our church and, and, and we try to go over them every week and we say them in the video. And one of them is the word of God. Uh, two is the Holy Spirit. Three is generosity. And four is relationships. We value these things and we believe that these are principles in our life that without any of them, uh, there can be massive devastation in our life. And I, I wanna encourage you to make sure in your spiritual life that you can maintain the word of God, the Holy Spirit, generosity, and relationships in your life, and you hold them dear. I believe that the practice of prayer is, is next to impossible without the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get there today, and I have a little bit of a journey to take you down before I can get there. And so some of us, what I realize is the practice of the Holy Spirit or the value of the Holy Spirit in, as a goal in our church or as a value in our church is probably the most difficult for many of us to discover and recognize unless you're actually looking for the person of the Holy Spirit, then he's easy. And so uh, as a pastor, it's crucial for me to make sure that you understand who the Holy Spirit is and what his objective is in your life. Because if you don't recognize him, it's, it is hard to have relationship with God. It can be difficult, and sometimes you can feel like I'm, I'm just not doing it right. Um, and so let me kind of take you through some theology really quick, as quickly as I can, to get you to the, really the sermon just has one point today. But I'm going to try to explain to you the doctrine of the Holy Spirit according to Third uh, Timothy today, if you would. Cool, that was a joke. Okay. Uh, uh, so anyways... Um, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is a person. You have to know this. I, I, I remember one time when I, when I first thought about I thought he was a dove, right? Like, uh, like in, the, in the scripture. He is, he is not a dove. He is a person. He is the third person in the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you grew up Catholic, right? Um, and, uh, but what I realize is amongst our generation, the Holy Spirit is the least important. And I don't know why that is. Uh, but when I look at scripture, um, the Holy Spirit, uh, Francis Chan wrote a really awesome book, if you can check it out. It's called The Forgotten God, and it's, um, it's, it's really wonderful. You have to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, and I'll try to explain that to you here in just a minute. And we look in Scripture, there is a few places where we could see the Holy Spirit at work in the Bible. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, we, we know that in the beginning, God, the, the, there was, um, before God created the heavens and the earth, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. The Spirit of God was there before there was anything that was created, before there was light, before there was cattle, before there was water, before that there was man, there was the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. And, uh, and so in, in, in the scripture, in Matthew chapter 3, there's this verse in, 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 six, in 16 and 17 where we see actually all three persons in the, of, of the Trinity. When, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately out of the water. Jesus, the second person in the Trinity. And the heavens were opened and he saw the Holy Spirit of God descending like a cloud and lightning upon him. Suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So in the heavens, we hear the father say, this is my beloved son. We see the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus and we see Jesus, all three persons of the blessed Trinity um, in, in one scripture. Does that make sense? And so the scripture is clear that the Holy Spirit and Jesus were separated, but they are still the same. 
Does that make sense? And it's important for you to understand that the, the Holy Spirit, they, they all honor each other. They all give honor to one another. Jesus came to honor the Father. The Holy Spirit is here to honor Jesus. And, and really, the model of Jesus, he said this, uh, and Jesus, most assuredly, I say to you, that unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't you marvel what I say? You must be born again. Jesus is saying you have to be born again if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And, and the wind blows where it wishes, and you'll hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it goes. And so is everyone who is born of the spirit, meaning you're not going to know where you're going to go if you're born of the spirit. Because God's going to lead you. You, you have to be born again, and you have to be born again of the Holy Spirit. And let me, let me show you this. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, and receive, for, for the forgiveness of sins, and receive the gift of the... So he said, Repent and be baptized. Jesus said, You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. There's a law at work of flesh and spirit. In fact, Paul talked about that. We talked about it last week, about this problem that many of us have in our life where we want to pray, we want to eat better, we want to exercise better, we want to do better in our relationship with our spouse, we want to be more devoted to things, but we just don't. Instead, we get sucked into the television. And, it, and what he's saying is there's this spirit and there's this flesh. There's this like desire inside of us that we want to do good, but we're not doing it because we still have this carnal nature. And, and what Jesus says is that you have to be born again. You have to be born of the Holy Spirit. And this, it's not nothing you do. It's really when you just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Uh, I want you to understand that you cannot be born again except for the Holy Spirit. It's what he does. Let me show you this. Jesus then, after he came onto the earth, God walking on earth, it's what everyone wants. Like, Jesus, why didn't you just stay here? He said this in, in, John, in John chapter 3, verse uh, 5 and 8. He said, most assuredly I say to you that, nope, I'm sorry. John 16, 7 and 8, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the helper cannot come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus, God, who walked on earth, the second person in the Trinity, the one most of us identify, okay, Jesus is God. He said, look, if I don't go away, then I can't send this other one to you. The way this works right now, I don't know if you understand theology. Or There's many, many people that have studied this and studied this and studied this and studied this. But basically, there was the Father at work throughout the whole Old Testament. And then, and then he gave kind of the responsibility and the role and the job of Jesus to come. And he put all of the work onto Jesus and all the responsibility. That's why he, he prayed and he sweat blood and he cried. And it was crazy because he knew, all oh, I've got to go into the cross. And everything was about this one moment. Well, what Jesus did on the cross, we, we call a finished work, meaning we don't have to do anything to complete what Jesus did. He did it all for us. Well, he said it's to your advantage that he goes away because if he goes, now I can give you the guy whose job is next. His name is the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan said that I, I can't even love God unless the Holy Spirit 
teaches me and provokes me. I, I can't pray right unless the Holy Spirit teaches me. I can't, I can't worship. I, I, and you know what? For many of us, I want you to understand, some of you have a really hard time reading the Bible. Me too. Especially when I'm not partnering with the Holy Spirit to, and, I'm, and I'm conversating with him like, hey, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? What are we learning? What's happening here? And when he begins speaking to me, the word, it, it, it actually comes alive. It's like there's movement in my mind and the words jump off the pages. See, Jesus called him the helper. He said, if I don't go away, then the helper can't come. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is your helper. And he said that he will, what, what else will he do? He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is the one that's going to show you what's out of order in our life. Without the Holy, see, the Holy Spirit is one that says, hey, you got to stop doing that. Something, uh, the best way I can explain it is when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus comes into your life and you do something you shouldn't, your stomach turns in knots. Now, it stops turning in knots when we stop listening to him. Because when we invite him into our heart, what we're saying is, God, we want you, number one. Now, that means that he's going to speak to us and direct us. Well, when we stop listening to him, he's not number one. And his voice gets more distant and more distant and more distant, and sin gets easier and easier and easier to do. But I have found in my life that God mostly only talks to me about one of my issues at a time. He doesn't make me feel like garbage. I've got a lot of issues. Many of you that know me know me best. You know, You're like, that dude's jacked up. Look, but God always is working on one thing at a time with me. He wants to change one habit in my life at a time and replace it with a different habit. And that's what God's doing in your life right now is he's convicting you. He's a helper and he's here to bring you to Jesus and make you one. We're talking about habits today and I believe that prayer is easier when we understand the work of the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he's trying to do in my life. Let me keep going here. That's gonna start getting better. I promise. Uh, and then uh, we've, we've got uh, John chapter 14. He says this, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in your name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. In other words, he's gonna start teaching you about what's good. He's gonna start redefining truth. Because many of us, when we're learning life outside of God's word, we're teaching ourselves things that we believe are good. But when we bring someone else into our life that has more wisdom and has more knowledge and understand really what is virtuous in our life, he begins to show us and reveal us new things. In our lives, let me ask you, is the Holy Spirit teaching you new things? Because we want to have, when we want to have a relationship with God, what you really need to be saying is that in this life right now, it's the Holy Spirit's turn in this relay. He's the one that's active and moving right now on this earth and in your life. And so we want to have relationship with him. He brings us to Jesus and Jesus brings us to the Father. That's what's going on. And uh, so he's gonna help us, he's gonna teach us. And in Romans chapter eight, for what I know is if you're born again, Romans chapter eight, verse 14, it says, for the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. What that basically means to me, it's, it's like, it's like if, if, if God is in you, for what I, I look at it like there's a, a rope tied around us and like right at our belly. 
And God has a way of leading you right at your stomach. And I don't know, but my old pastor, Pastor Strader, he used to always say that, that God lives, the Holy Spirit lives here. Out of your belly will flow rivers of life. I don't understand why he always would say it down here. Maybe God lives for some of you uh, over here. I don't know. But for me, I do. I, when he said that, it kind of made sense because I do feel like when God is speaking or when he's leading me, it happens here. Now, in order for us in our life to develop an understanding of the leading of the Holy Spirit, this is something I'm working on so much right now with my son, is understanding the leading of the Holy Spirit. It requires prayer. It requires communion. I have to care about what he wants and be mindful of what he's wanting to do all the time. Now, that happens when we have intimate moments with him, and we understand what a lifestyle looks like. For example, when I married my wife, we, we had conversations that were very intimate. We would go on dates and I would learn her. And aside from her, I realized things that she loved that when we weren't present, things I was doing in my life that would honor her. And it led me in a different direction. Does that make sense? When you love something, you begin to think about it. If you love tennis, when you're not doing tennis, you're thinking about other things in your life that can make you a better tennis player when you're not there. And things that you're passionate about in your life, it will lead you throughout the day to think about these things. Well, when you're passionate about the Lord, there are habits that you can do and prayers that you can pray throughout the day that will continue to invite him in so he can lead you. Because if you're a son of God, you're led by God. And I want to be with a people that are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Is this good so far? Okay. I'm trying to build a case for us here so you understand the doctrine and the theology of the Holy Spirit that we want to, to understand the most. Now, 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 this is important for you to get. For everyone here, if you haven't heard anything else, hear this. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. And this is a life verse for me. And uh, I actually just read 7 and 8 normally, but 9 is so relevant to where we are right now. Would you check this out? The Bible says this, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked, meaning it's not God's fault where we are. Okay? Don't be deceived. Where you are in your faith and where you are in your life is not God's fault. This is not spiritually. This is for everything that happens in our life, in our marriage, in our career, in our, in our education, with our children, where we are. Be not deceived. It's not God's fault. For what you sow is what you will reap. This is a principle of the kingdom and it works with everything, with finances, with love, with music, with anything. You invest in it, you'll get return from it. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked, that whatever a man sows, that which he will reap. Verse eight, for when he sows to the flesh, uh-oh, he will reap of the flesh corruption, but he who sows to the spirit, he will reap of the spirit an everlasting life. Let me keep going. For let us not grow weary in doing good, for in a due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I love that part. For do not grow weary in well-doing, because in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. This is what habits are. This is what small disciplines are. He's saying that you'll, have, you'll reap a harvest, you'll reap a great result if you don't get weary in doing the little things. And sometimes it's hard. And we give up doing little things because we think that they're not significant. 
They are. When you look at any woman or man of God, they didn't get there overnight. They paid a price and they paid it day after day after day after day. When you look at a great athlete, they didn't wake up there one day. They paid a price and they paid it day after day after day after day. People that have good marriages, they didn't wake up there one day. They paid a price and they paid it day after day after day after day. Good careers and everything that you want. Do you have the good habits? Don't be deceived. If you sow, you will reap. If you're at work today and you're frustrated with where you are in your career, there are good disciplines that you could be doing daily that can focus on being a better steward and a better employee of that position that will generate greater results. Well, I'm going to go back to the Holy Spirit here because he's saying, if you sow to your flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. But if you sow in the Spirit, you'll reap in the Spirit. And so I was thinking about our lives, and uh, this is what I came up with. The Bible says that we are the temple of God. This is in 1 Corinthians. Uh, can you pull up that verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Are you, you are not your own. Uh, listen, uh, I want you to make sure you understand that the Bible says that you are the temple of God. It's not God's desire to move in church as much as it is God's desire to move in you. Something beautiful happens when we come together. When we were worshiping just a few minutes ago, I don't know, but I feel like that was one of the better sets I've been in a long time. That was a, I don't, something, I was doing something in me. I am the temple and you are the temple. And if we don't get this down, that God is supposed to live in you, what you've decided is that you've made a religion. We, don't, we wanna have relationship with God, not religion. And the idea of having relationship with God is that we learn intimacy with him. He is the Holy Spirit. He is alive. He is speaking. He is moving. The Bible says that in him, the Holy Spirit, we live, we move, and we have our being. We know in the Old Testament that he was among us. And we found out that he would never leave us nor forsake us. We know that he is upon us, within us, around us. Man, the fire comes within us. Like, he is everything. And if we want more of him inside of us, but don't be deceived. It's not God's fault for what we sowed is what we reaped. And many of us are not where we want to be, but it's not because of what God has done. It's mostly because of where we are. And I'm not saying any of this to be condemning, but I'm trying to bring revelation today. I have to move quickly because I've got to get to some prayers before we can get finished here. So um, I don't know if this is going to make sense today, but what I realize is that most of our life is made up of work. How many of you in this room have a job? Raise your hand, raise it proud. And uh, how many of you work at least 40 hours a week? Raise your hand. Yep, it's terrible, right? And uh, um, we're just going to fill this bad boy up here. This equals work. These are beautiful M&Ms. Bought them this morning, and I hate it because I can't eat one of them. <laughs> what I realize is that this makes up a good part of our life, you know, work. And uh, so does tasks. There's just so many things that we have to do. Don't we say this every day? You know what I have to do? I've got to clean. Oh my gosh, I got kids. And uh, some of you guys know, I clean and then I clean again. And then I clean again. Like I'm still cleaning and it's three hours and I've already cleaned all of those things at least twice. 
It's awful. And we got to go to the bank. We've got to get to the office, you know, the, the post office. And we've got to get to, uh, we've got to make our bed and do our laundry and do the dishes and do the dishes and do the dishes. And, and then there's, uh, there's uh, uh, food. You know, I don't know. America's probably the only country in the world. Most people uh, eat to live, but in America, we have a different passion, don't we? We live to eat. And, uh, and we'll eat, man. And you know what's hard is that if you are smart and you're eating at home, well, now you have more tasks to do because, uh, you know, and I realize it's like I spend, uh, the average person eats, how many times, how many people in here would say throughout the year you eat three meals a day, right? Or, and if you don't, how many people snack at least three times a day, amen, right? There you go. Uh, and so we're gonna get a little bit more of that in there. Uh, a little bit more tasks uh, because it's a task to get to food and it's a, it's a snack there to get to it. And, and I was thinking about some other things in our life and, you know, we want to make time for people in our life because people, people matter, right? Isn't that like all, the only thing that we signed up for? We said we want to love people. We want to have people in our life that, that are significant and matter. And, and then I'm realizing there's some other things in here. There's, uh, there's uh, TV. Woo! You know dang well if you American. You make time, how many people watch TV at least 30 minutes a day? Raise your hand, right? And it's like the best way to unwind every night. You know, everything's done and we're gonna, we're, we're gonna make time for TV. And then uh, as I was asking, I, was, I asked most of you, some of you today, how many make time for social media every day? And I had Googled it and I just thought to myself before I Googled it, you know what? The average person six times a day gets online five times a day to see social media. That was what I thought. I asked some people and I heard six hours a day in this church on social media, you know, because it's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and we got it and YouTube and and uh, what I'm realizing is that there's a lot of stuff that make up our life. Now, uh, fasting is, uh, I, I said green was people, but we'll, we'll call that also our love for God. And what I realize is that the average person, even that loves God, um, we spend maybe five minutes a day in prayer maybe 10, you know, we'll pray before we eat because we love God and we're gonna give thanks. We're gonna pray before we go to bed and ask God to bless us. And we're gonna pray when we wake up and, and we're gonna ask God those, you know, God be with me today and help me. And oh man, some of you love my favorite prayer, right? Jesus, help, amen. I heard a lot of people talk about this. They use this throughout the day. And what I realize is that this is our life. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit and it's filled with a lot of stuff. You know what uh, we're asking the church right now is to fast. And we're in the middle of, of a fast right now. It's not a 21-day fast. No, 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 no. Because it's not about what's behind me. It's about what's ahead of me. And, uh, and so I'm going to invite you guys. We're doing a 14-day fast starting tomorrow. And, uh, and really what fasting is, is really, you know what? You can, you can mess up tomorrow. Fasting is about today, right now, God, I love you. And that's all it is. And if you mess up, hey, join the club, man. I can't tell you how many times your lead pastor, the most passionate person, everyone says, oh, when they say, hey, who is Tim Brown? He's a passionate guy. Yeah, the most passionate guy you know about Jesus. You know how many times I've fallen asleep in prayer? It's unbelievable. But it's, look, God, my heart chooses to look towards you. You know what I realized that fasting is? How many in this room has ever been in a relationship where you were in love and that relationship went sideways on you? Raise your hand. I was in love and it didn't work out. Fasting is this. 
This is the best way to illustrate fasting, I believe. You know when you get into a relationship or you see someone else in a relationship where they say, you know what? The only thing I care about in my life is this relationship and I'll do whatever it takes to save it. You ever see someone get like that? Where it's like, you know what? I want this to work so bad that it's the only thing that matters to me. Well, what happens in their life is they start doing this. They start getting rid of all the other stuff in their life so there's room for them to be focused on one thing. And they get desperate. And it's what they're after and it's what matters most to them. I don't know what it is in your life that you're after, but I know that there's room for God if we weren't filled with so much crap. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said many of us no longer desire to sit at the table of the Lord, mainly beca- not because God's not good, but because we've ate so much in the world. So what I start doing is when I'm fasting, you know what it's doing inside of me? It's reminding me so much how much I want to love God. You know what's weird about me, and, and, and it's probably terrible of your pastor to confess something like this, but... I thought that the longer I would be a Christian, the easier it would be for me to love God. I I read a quote this week, and it said this, that um, comfort, listen to this, comfort is a real place, and it gets smaller every day, and you have to work hard at pushing at its boundaries. Comfort is a real place, and it gets smaller every day. My comfort zone, man, I love what I love, and I want what I want more and more every day. Unless you can decide that things outside of you matter more than you. Well, now we've got to make some changes. And what I've decided in my life is that the best thing in my life is the Lord. Nothing makes me a better husband. Nothing makes me a better human. Nothing makes me a better brother or a coworker or a just human being than Jesus. But I realize every day that I love this world more and more every day. It's like my roots are growing into this earth. And what I would love is just an hour and a half of no children climbing on me so I could just watch TV and unplug. If I can just get into my own space where no one else is there, then I'll be rejuvenated. And what I realize is that what fasting does for me is it removes the roots of this world and reminds me that what I want, oh man, all along, it really was the Lord. If you want to fall in love with Jesus, Rachel, would you come? I'm going to encourage you to stir it up. Now, I'm going to have another verse for you. It says this. It says the Holy Spirit, it helps in our weakness. It's, it's in Romans chapter 8. It says, for we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit, uh, for, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself, he makes intercessions w- w- for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He, he's saying the Holy Spirit makes groanings inside of us. So it's like if you learn to pray right, you'll pray with the Holy Spirit. Prayer is boring sometimes, and for some of you, I'm sorry. It's not boring when he comes. What I mean by that is there's a God that's with you beside you, among you, along your side, and everywhere you go, and all he wants is to be with you. Get this. And when you start prayer differently, when you start prayer waiting for him, it changes the tone of the prayer. Especially, remember, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Especially if you're led by the Holy Spirit when you pray. 
When you pray, if you'll wait for the Holy Spirit to put things on your heart. But many times we get into prayer with the one person we love more than anyone in this world. And we are thinking about how many minutes we have until we get out of prayer. Let me tell you something. That's not love. If in my life, what I want nothing more is to be with my wife and I go on a date with her and all I can do is look at my phone and think about how many minutes I have before I'm not with her anymore, she's not gonna feel very honored with my devotion. If you wanna pray, then you can pray. And when he comes, he changes it. You gotta decide what's more important, time or him. Listen, I am stirred. I, I, I am in need of testimonies right now in our church. And if you would text the church phone this week, hey, I've got a testimony about fasting. Hey, I've got a testimony about finances, my health, my brother's sister's dog, anything you got, I need it on the church phone this week, if you can. Many of you wanna see God move in your life. And here's a few prayers I'm gonna teach you really quick. And we're gonna pray. We're gonna worship and we're gonna leave. We're gonna go a little bit long. Here's what you need to know. Dangerous prayers you could pray. John the Baptist said it this way. I put it in my Google phone this week, two days in a row, and I asked Google to remind me this prayer, it's so dangerous. God, you must increase and I must decrease. You must increase and I must decrease. So I asked Google Voice to remind me every hour. Oh yeah, you must increase, I must decrease. And Google's been reminding me. You know another dangerous prayer you can pray is God break me. Oh man, it's terrible. Why would someone pray something like that? Maybe you're not there yet, but probably you need to pray that prayer if you know that you're the most important person in your life. Uh, Another prayer is, uh, God, lead me. God, lead me. God, lead me. Lead me is great because it, it develops trust. It brings peace. One of my favorite things that I learned how to hear God's voice is I would do this prayer often at Walmart or at Perkins or in places in my life is I would ask God this. I'd I'd stand just at the cash register and I'd just be looking, two people ahead of me, and I'm looking, I'm looking at the cashier like I'm looking at Natalie right now, and I'd ask myself, God, how do you feel about Natalie? It has nothing to do with me. You wanted to open the ears for God to speak in your life, ask him how he feels about someone you know nothing about. And it would just cultivate God speaking to me and God speaking to me and God speaking to me and God speaking to me. And we want to get better at prayer, but we can't get better at prayer without the Holy Spirit because in him we live and we move and we have our being. He is the one that's in charge right now and he's moving in your life whether you like it or not. And if you yield to him, he'll move more. And if you give more room for him and you make more room for him, Man, he'll, he'll move more. And right now in my life, because I'm fasting and I'm emptying myself of everything else that I love, it's like I'm on fire for God. And some of you, God's doing the same thing. 